When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. My good gracious, what a weekend. Alabama apparently has a quarterback that they pulled off last year's scrap heap. Deion Sanders looks fantastic. LSU spits the bit, and the Vols absolutely answer all the questions that we had in the offseason, with maybe the exception of some blips on special teams. So we'll start each and every Monday show by giving out the Torchbearer Award. Our MVP from Tennessee's previous football game as the Vols win big over Virginia. Also, who lit the torch? Those guys that are very close to being Torchbearers and might be soon. But the show is jam-packed, including a special tribute to Condridge Holloway later in the program. Butch Jones cries, which is a little funny. And our new Monday guest, the center of truth is what we're going to call him because I have never. Caleb Calhoun first. How are you, sir? Pretty good. Happy Labor Day, Dave. How are you? I'm fantastic. Labor Day is not a holiday in our world with football season, as you know. Uh, But happy Labor Day to you as well. The center of truth honor the labor movement as someone who on this show has been called a commie in the past and <laughs> he's, he's not really a commie kids not really a commie. 
yeah. But all right, so we are going to uh, visit with the center of truth. Uh, he played center for the 1997 and 98 SEC championship team and the 98 national championship team. He will join us every Monday after the game to give us a wrap up. And it's perfect with Tennessee having some shifts in their offensive line. And I will tell you this. He is hands down the most honest player I've ever interviewed on the record before and after. He'll tell you if things are good or bad and know that he has the best interest of the program at heart at the same time, too. My first, well, I'll get into it later, but my first interview with Spencer Riley was my very first interview ever in the media biz. And he kicks back a chair, sits down, about six reporters sitting around, none of this press conference podium crap. And he says, all right, boys, what do you want to talk about? And there it's off and running. There was no, uh, uh, all right, Austin, you get two questions and Adam, you, uh, Adam next. And then, and then Bob, and then, and then let's, none of that stuff that you hear out of press conferences nowadays, it was back in the good old days. And that's what we're going to recreate right now. We started off with four downs, four downs brought to you by our friends at Zen sports. And we'll do this to begin each and every Monday Four downs is now. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. Four. Four downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. So the highest graded unit on Tennessee's team, the lowest graded unit on Tennessee's team, who lit the torch and who was the torch bearer of the week. We shall discuss, and it's brought to you by Zen Sports. Zen Sports. Boy, it's a lot of fun. I know some people that are already getting cash back money, and Zen Sports is the new sports book in Tennessee. Revolutionize the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get with their cash rewards program. You get a lot of hard cash. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back in your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports is bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. And it is for downs. So we'll visit with Cooper Mays. By the way, his video is up. And that Sunday show with Fred took off like uh, white lightning yesterday. We'll do that every week. And that will be brought to you by our very good friends at uh, Herald Security Solutions. But first, let's get to four downs. Coop, what should people do? Give us a little coaching from the sideline. Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. All right, here we go. First down. Coop here. First down. This is pretty difficult. I'm going to put this on Caleb because there are a lot of good units on this football team. But uh, a report card on offthehooksports.com right now. And we'll go through them all. But first, let's get the top two. So for first down, and we would appreciate that like, subscribe, turn your notifications on. And you would have known about Fred, uh, Coop, and Jacob yesterday. So let me go ahead and uh, get started with the highest graded unit overall. You may have given out two A's or A pluses, but I know sometimes there can be splitting hairs there. So Caleb, you did the report card. 
what's the highest graded unit on the team? I think it has to be edge rushers. I was debating between edge rushers and defensive tackles. The only reason I gave it to the edge rushers is I blame the defensive tackles for that one touchdown drive that Virginia did have in the game. But edge rushers really never took a playoff. I mean, James Pierce Jr. and Tyler Barron, Tyler Barron, two and a half tackles for a loss, two sacks, James Pierce Jr., two sacks. Both Roman Harrison and Joshua Josephs made some act, uh, made some plays in the game. So it's the D-line as a whole, but I separate defensive tackles and edge rushers because, let's be honest, they have distinctly different roles on the defensive line. So I think it's edge rushers. Okay, that's fair. And so to, what did you grade the defensive line as a whole? I get the defensive line an A and edge rushers an A+. Okay, uh, I'm fine with you splitting that up because it is a different – style of football nowadays and uh, what down was that coop coop here first down i just love playing that what down is it now cooper mays here second down all right second down and uh, let's go to the lowest grade which is kind of tough to find when you talk about such a one-sided affair and i don't think that there was ever any concern that tennessee was going to lose 49 to 13 even though they had a low in the first half. So the lowest graded unit on the football team. Very easily the kicking game. Not even close, honestly. The kicking game was Jackson Ross. Like there's that. Now we see that there really is a difference between Australian football, rugby, soccer, whatever, and translating that to actually being a punter. Because whoa, he was whoa, 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 whoa. There's a transition. I mean, he's kicking in front of that many people, and it's more like golf than running around and kicking. So, I mean, there's a transition, but we've seen it happen at enough other places that it's it's probably going to be successful unless he's just not very good. I mean, I, I think – no, I, I agree. I think it could be – I'm not saying being one of those players automatically means you'll be a bad punter. I'm just saying it doesn't automatically translate either. I mean, he had no punts inside the 20-yard line. I don't think he pinned them inside the 20 once. Uh, correct me, guys, if I'm wrong on that. He averaged like 36 yards a punt, which is just bad. And, I mean, you're not going to have high averages when you're punting for Josh Heupel because you're going to get a lot of short punts because you're going to punt from midfield, as you know that, Dave. But if you, if that's the case, you need to be pinning them inside the 20. You don't need to be averaging 36 yards a punt and not pinning any punts inside the 20. That's a bad, bad look. And it's not like because Virginia had any great punt return game. No, he just wasn't punting the ball well. So it was just a bad day. Also, I want to point out Josh Turbyville, four of his kickoffs spotted Virginia the ball past the 20-yard line, 25-yard line, excuse me. Twice he spotted them the ball at the 35-yard line. That's another knock. I mean, kicking off is part of kicking. So he's got to – I know. I'm very good. I'm very good friends with his dad. So I'll just let you say that. I'm going to move on. I hope the best for Josh. Let's I hope things turn, turn around. There. Well, I'm hard to be fair. I, I'm a lot harder on Jackson Ross this game than I was on Josh Turbyville. Okay. Turbyville's just kicking off. Those, those were fair criticisms. I'm just going to let you say it since I'm very good friends with his father. How about that? <laughs> fair enough. Okay. So Caleb said it. Mr. Turbyville, I did. All right. Um, and let's get to third down, Coop, right now. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here, third down. Okay, and don't give me the ultimate torchbearer because that's our weekly award that we're going to give out to the ultimate top performer. But give me three guys who lit the torch, who lit the torch for the Vols, 
You give me your three guys. I'll give you mine. Three guys who lit the torch for the Vols. Okay, does this include the torch bearer, or does this, no. this guy left? No, torch bearer is okay. separate. I mean, you may okay. mention my torch bearer in yours, but uh, they're separate. All right, three guys who lit the torch. Dylan Sampson, Joe Milton, and can't wait to talk to Spencer when he gets on on this because I got to say Ollie Lane. I, I have so much respect for the job Ollie Lane did stepping in at center for Cooper Mays, and I, I did not see one negative play by him all game. Okay, so your three are again. Joe Milton, Dylan Sampson, and Ollie Lane. Okay. I'm going to go Jalen Wright. He didn't score as many touchdowns, but he came out, and I thought he set a physical tone early, and I thought Virginia was like, "Uh uh-oh, this team may be in a a, a little bit of a higher league. I'm going to try to go different from yours. Uh, I definitely would agree with Joe Milton. Not only in how he played the entire game, but how there was a lull and he righted the ship. I talked about that with Jacob Warren on the ball report, which is on our YouTube page. I'm also going to go Andre Keurig to compliment your Ollie Lane pick because he had to step in at left guard. That guy was not going to be a starter. And when you transfer in uh, from a top program like Texas, you're expected to be a starter. And he was not until the Cooper Mays injury happened. So uh, I will go with him, and then I guess I'll go with uh, Tyler Barron. So you went James Pierce, correct? No, no, no. I, I didn't name anybody on defense. I'm going to get there, but I named Ollie Lane, oh, okay. Joe Milton, and Dylan Sampson. Okay. Well, then I'll go James Pierce. So um, so I'll go get James Pierce as my third. So who, who are all three of mine again? Curry, okay. Pierce. And Milton, and, you said, right? That's right. And No, no, no. And I said uh, – uh, Jalen Wright. So okay. Jalen Wright, those are my three torchbearers. Currick came out and played great at left guard as, beside Ollie Lane in that shifted offensive line. James Pierce was fantastic uh, coming off the edge. Comparisons to Leonard Little by Fred White. Comparisons to Leonard Little. And you know as well as I do, Caleb, that Fred's not going to throw out comparisons flippantly, especially when it comes to one of the best players that he's ever played with or seen physically on the field. And then, um, so Keurig, Pierce, right? Pierce had two sacks. The torch bearer of the week is for you, Caleb Calhoun, and feel free to fill in the message board. And we would love to uh, hear your thoughts. If you want to go ahead and give us some input, your torch bearer of the week. I'm going to give my Memphis guy a shout out. It's Amari Thomas because Tyler, really? Tyler Barron and James Pierce combined for four sacks. There was a lot of pressure from the outside, but it was because of the push in the middle. Amari Thomas, Bryson Eason, Omar Norman Lock get some credit for that. Uh, I did mention the one bad drive they had. I want to note Thomas got hurt on that drive. Um, and so, and I, I, so that's why I'm going to say Amari Thomas. He had one and a half tackles for a loss. I think Pierce and Tyler Barron did what they did because Amari Thomas did what he was supposed to do in the middle at defensive tackle. And everybody talks about the edge rushers. I love watching those tackles, Dave, in the middle, get the push. And they're knowing they're not going to get the stats. Usually knowing they're not, you know, unless you're John Henderson, you're not going to rack up the stats at defensive tackle. 
But Amari Thomas was doing his job to free up the edge rushers to do what they needed to do. I love those defensive tackles, and I'm going with Amari. Who are the guys that racked up stats, racked up stats at defensive tackle? I can think of three in my career. It would be – and I'm I, TFLs. I'm not just talking about sacks. They're really difficult to get. Oh, and I'm going to give Jacob Warren some credit with the pancake blocks and the touchdown, which he talks about on the ball report. My bad on Jacob. But, I get tight ends an A, so. <laughs> yeah, tight ends an A. Uh, but where was I going there? What were we talking about? Uh, uh, stat rackers at defensive oh, tackle for Tennessee. Uh, there's only three, really, that I can think of. It would be Henderson, Hainsworth, and Jesse Mahalona. Jesse Mahalona had a ton of tackles for a loss. And they were always shoestring tackles. So God rest his soul. He was um, he was a guy who talk about giving your all for Tennessee. He certainly there's did a, that. There's a fourth major one though that we can't ignore because Reggie White did play defensive tackle at Tennessee. Oh, I was just talking about my career. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. I know you think I'm old, Caleb, but I'm not quite that old. Uh, well, it's not so, about being old, it's just about knowing it's about looking at a stat sheet. Well, I know, but I said during my career. I said that caveat. I didn't know, I didn't know your – okay, I didn't hear the during my career part. I apologize. And that was four downs. It's time for today's tough questions brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. LSU hammered in an embarrassment by Florida State, in which Brian Kelly just thought it was a complete disaster. And Caleb's hiding his picture there because he's been high on LSU. But it's not just him. I I mean, I've been high on LSU. He's just kind of said it vocally more often. So I'm not going to rip Caleb for that at all. But um, as far as the standings, let's start with this. Today's tough question Where does Tennessee rank after what we saw in week one? And then we'll break down the rest of the SEC. Because of how wrong I was on LSU, I had to move to, I moved Tennessee up and they're at number three now. Um, And I think that on a neutral field, Tennessee, the way I do my power rankings is this. I don't go just by who's who I don't go just by how they're playing in the moment based on just last week's game. And I don't go based on what I think will happen in predictions down the road. I look at based on what's happened, who would be favored on a neutral field right now. And I think Tennessee would be favored over every sec team on a neutral field outside of Georgia and Alabama. So in other words, you're saying I'm just picking maybe the most valuable player on his particular team. um, Jaden Daniels. So he would, if if he got hurt like Hendon Hooker did last year, in your rankings, that would drop dramatically, even if they won by 35 points, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, because yes. power rankings are about where you are at the moment. I agree. As a team. Thank and, you for doing that correctly, by the way, because there are a lot of people out there that don't. Yeah. Well, I see people say, oh, because Georgia technically beat an FCS school, they belong below Texas A&M who beat an FBS school. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Okay. If you put Georgia and Texas A&M on the same field right now, everybody would bet on Georgia. And and they would be favored in Vegas. So, so here's that's where I'm going. Let me count it down. Here is what uh, Caleb has: Vanderbilt 14, Florida uh, 13. Ouch! Missouri 12. Anytime you're behind Missouri, you should look yourself in the mirror and maybe hit yourself in the head with a hammer. South Carolina 11, Mississippi State 10, Arkansas 9, LSU. 
and this power ranking drops all the way to eight. Texas A&M to seven, Kentucky six, Ole Miss five, Auburn four. In the top three, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama. Now, Georgia and Alabama, both with impressive victories, but they played UT Martin and MTSU, respectively, as they raided the Volunteer State. You could make a strong argument that Tennessee should be number one because I don't think that either of those teams are better than Virginia. I'm not saying I would have them up there. I think some recency bias has to work into it after the first week of the season, Caleb. So I'm not knocking your list, but those top three based off just one game are kind of 1A, 1B, 1C to me. If you were to do, well, that's the thing. If you were to do like a BCS ranking, Tennessee would be number one. Oh, no question. The SEC. But the, it's not a BCS ranking. I got. I have to kind of look again. If Tennessee plays Alabama on a neutral field, Dave, you may pick out Tennessee. I may pick Tennessee, but who would be favored in Vegas? Alabama would be favored probably by about 10 points right now, I think, on a neutral field. If Tennessee played Georgia on a neutral field, Georgia would be favored. The story to me was that I actually dropped Georgia below Alabama because – Alabama did look a lot better against MTSU than Georgia did against um, who did I mention? Uh, UT Martin. That, UT Martin was a worse team. Georgia, what, I think they scored maybe 17 points in the first half, and that was it against UT Martin. Guys, if you're a Tennessee fan, get excited. Everything. I, I know I was wrong about LSU. I'm not. Well, I'm not you may on not be wrong. Yeah, I'm not mm. quitting on LSU just yet. Okay. Um, yeah, because that Mason Smith being out, it just went out. Things kind of – you've covered games where things go crazy and just get out of hand in one quarter, and it just goes crazy. But Tennessee fans celebrate. Georgia's got a bad offensive coordinator, and they're going to have some issues at quarterback. I'm just okay. going to tell you that right now. So if if Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama are 1A, 1B, and 1C just based off week one, which I think you agreed with, right? You're fair with that? Right. Okay, yep. how far off is Auburn? They beat UMass. Ha, ha, ha. My son goes to UMass. Uh, I didn't want him to go that far. So anytime that UMass gets beat, it's a good it's a good day. Maybe I'll beat him back home. Uh, they beat the Minutemen 59 to 14. Um, but what do we know? I mean, this is where I have to use a little bit of last year and say that there's, even though the Minutemen aren't very good, by the way, my son said nobody on campus watched the game. And um, they're not very good, but I got to use a little bit of last year in saying that Tennessee and Georgia and Alabama are better than Auburn. So I've got Auburn as as a fairly distant number four. How about you? I do too. I think there's a clear-cut top three right now and then a distant distant drop off if we're doing who would be favored on a neutral field and i want to be fair by that i wonder dave with that did i overreact to dropping lsu all the way to eight because do you think like would ella outside of those top three would lsu would anybody of the would anybody else be favored over lsu right now i thought maybe kentucky because kentucky looked like marks like a typical mark stoop team once again but I, I i don't think vegas would get too fooled by that florida state game but you tell me now, um, as far as favored, LSU is one of the bigger betting schools in the SEC along with Tennessee. So that always kind of goofy moves the line a little bit. 
Uh, there are two teams that I always call about, three actually, Alabama, LSU, and Tennessee, that I'll call scouts specifically about matchups because, um, I, or, or coaches in the league because the, the numbers can get so skewed out of Vegas because those three schools bet heavily on their team. So out, out of the out of the group that's below them, and you've got Tennessee at number three, Auburn at number four, but out of the group that's below them, if Tennessee shows up with a B day, not a great day, but a B day, um, slightly above average, they don't play perfect. They make some mistakes. I'm not talking the Columbia collapse, but who of those teams immediately below them can beat them with an A plus day if Tennessee plays average? Which teams can move ahead of them with an A plus day? You're no, talking about just this them. Beat them if it's if it's Saturday and Tennessee plays a slightly above average game and the other team plays really well and I'm talking about the schools that are listed uh, slightly below the Vols like Auburn, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Texas A&M, LSU, Arkansas. I don't think you would say Mississippi State, South Carolina, Missouri, maybe Florida since it's in Gainesville. But those schools, if Tennessee just shows up with a B day, a slightly above average day. How many of those schools can beat Tennessee on any given Saturday? I think I, I, I can't make a distinction for a judgment for Ole Miss yet because they have so many transfers and they beat an FCS school. So that they're just impossible to judge. I, I do think Auburn could because if just what I know about Hugh Freeze as an offensive coach, I, th- I think Kentucky already is a danger to Tennessee if Tennessee's not careful. So I think Kentucky could. Texas A&M could. I just said from the start, I don't think Texas A&M is going to be capable of an A-plus game all year because of the Bobby Petrie. But if Texas A&M plays an A-plus game, they can beat anybody in the SEC. Let me be fair about that. And then, yeah, I think LSU with an A-plus game could beat anybody in the SEC too. So I would say they could beat Tennessee. Um, Arkansas, if Arkansas played an A-plus game and Tennessee plays a B-ish to C-plus game, I think that game becomes close. I think you're looking at like last year's Pittsburgh um, – Pittsburgh Tennessee game where Tennessee won it overtime, honestly. Where I think Tennessee was significantly better, but as you remember, Tennessee played what? What would you say? That was about a B minus C plus game for Tennessee at Pittsburgh, and Pitt played an A plus game. Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah, that's where I think Arkansas is. No, that's a, I think that's a really really good comparison. Um, you you knocked South Carolina a little bit harder than I would have because I think th- that. I just think Drake May is the generational quarterback that we talk about when we talk about Andrew Luck and we talk about John Elway and those type of guys. Um, I may I may prove to be wrong, but I, I don't think the rest of the guys around him are great, and I, I think he is. So well, let's be fair on that, though. I thought Spencer Rattler actually played better than Drake May in that game, watching that game, honestly. I just thought South Carolina has unfixable issues. They have a horrible offensive line. I thought there, Florida was bad. But, man, there are some programs where you – I wonder if guys are running the right routes or blocking up front correctly. It's not just pressure. It's it's so many things when you're at that kind of a program that I, – I, I mean, I'm not knocking North Carolina specifically, but there are some programs I just wonder if they got their stuff together. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. That's I, part of South Carolina blocking issues, I think, is Dowell Loggins. You know how I feel about him as an offensive coordinator. And I thought he was awful in that game, but South Carolina's O-line was terrible too. I think Spencer Rattler did everything he could 
uh, given a bad offensive coordinator, bad offensive line to try to will that team to victory. And I, I, I actually watched that game coming away thinking maybe Spencer Rattler is better than Drake May, but North Carolina is better than South Carolina. Andy Mason, real estate.com best prices service in the biz. Andy Mason, real estate.com. He's my realtor. He should be yours. Deion Sanders. What the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Okay. That is not the same TCU team that played for a championship. Deion Sanders rolls into Colorado. What was their record last year? One and 11. One and 11. Previous three years, they won how many games? I think it's three or four or five. It's not many. Yeah, um, I. They I beat a program that was playing for a national title last year. You can hate Dion and his brashness all you want. But Dion's going to be successful. Who will have a better career? I think we're all shocked by Dion. Dion Sanders or Josh Heupel? Who will have a better career? Now, let's first define career. How do you want to define career, Caleb? You choose. Uh, success in the coaching rings, period. As a coaching career, we have a what college NFL um, championships. Championships, I think now just championships. And I, the reason I say now just championships with the playoff going to 12 teams 10, 15 years ago, I would have said record conference. You know, national championships were so much more subjective that it was hard for me to say this coach had a better career than that one because this had one had more titles. Like, I think Bobby Bowden had a better career than Woody Hayes, even though Woody Hayes won more national titles. It's just such a subjective thing. So right. now I so longevity would mean something like right. Joe, Joe Paterno. Let's forget about the Sandusky stuff. Joe Paterno's longevity meant something. It does. Um, and okay. So what about betterment of young men? What about betterment? Because clearly Deion Sanders is making an incredible change in a lot of young men's lives, taking them from places that were pegged as, Oh, those are just um, uh, they're they're black college athletes, and that's clearly not the case. So he's bettering young men. So I'm going to factor that in as well. I, I there, there's a part of me that wants to say Dion, but let me let me let you go first, Caleb. Who has the better career? I'm going to say Josh Heupel for this reason. I have a theory with Dion for a while, and I'm, I'm not taking anything away from what he did over the weekend. You're right. But I think Dion is in this because he wants to coach his son specifically. And I think he's going to mm. follow his son from college to the NFL. He's been following him since middle school. He's been going wherever his son's been playing to coach. And I think this is, I, I think people aren't noticing for Dion. This is about coaching his son. It's not about him as a coach himself. And it's not even, yes, he's caring about his other players, but it's about coaching his son. So when Shador goes to the NFL, Dion's going to try to finagle that NFL job wherever it is and coach his son there. I think it's Josh Heupel, and here are the reasons why. But I, I could make a strong argument for Dion, and I might just do that here in a second. But the, the arguments for Heupel are he's at a school where he's going to have more NIL money. And you're right. 
Um, Dion may very well up and leave uh, when his son Shador decides to go to the NFL whenever that might be, which might be in three years. Um, or not, how many years has he oh, been he was out at of? Jackson State? He might be gone after. I think he could be gone after this year, couldn't he? Or is it the next year? Yeah, why don't you check on that for me? So, um, I, I I think it's I think it's Josh Heupel because I do think he makes young men better, and I think that there's a culture there, and what whatever you believe in, there's a culture of faith, and I believe that that makes a difference in young men's lives. I believe that Josh Heupel will be around college longer. I used to think that he would jump to uh, maybe the NFL, but I don't think so nowadays because I think he likes the aspect of uh, working with, with young men. And ultimately, I think that when it comes down to it, he's a he's going to be a better X's and O's coach. So Dion may have surrounded himself with great X's and O's guys right now, but those guys are going to get poached. And at some point that, that is what Josh Heupel is. You can't poach the head coach unless he goes. So if he goes somewhere else, that's something totally different. I believe Dion is the 2020s version of Philip Fulmer. He is outspoken he is loud, but he is like Philip Fulmer in that he is the CEO of that program. He tells people what to do. They do it. He trusts people to do it, just like Philip Fulmer did with Randy Sanders and John Chavis. No, they're not the same color. No, they're not as boisterous. No, they weren't great. No, they weren't the same athletes, not anywhere close. But I think they're very similar. And the last being they are incredibly good recruiters. So I, I believe that Sanders will have a successful coach. He's also had health issues, but I think at the end of the day, I would take Josh Heupel and a potential of 15 years at Tennessee over Deion Sanders, who may well move. Now this question was asked by Daniel. Do you think a big time program will hire Dion? He may be a great coach, but will Big programs deal with him. He just gets under my skin. Well, I would answer that with Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin gets under a lot of people's skin. Lane Kiffin is, you know, he was already involved with NCAA issues when he was uh, hired by Southern California. But what happened? He still got that job. He still had a successful career at FAU. And um, now he's moved on to Ole Miss. So, uh, I think a big time program would call Dion if he if he won at an elite level. What's winning at an elite level at Colorado? Well, it's got to be at least getting close to winning the Big Twelve or winning the Big Twelve. But then you ask yourself, what's the next step up in jobs? Because to me, Colorado is not a tier four job as it's looked like the past couple of years. It's a tier three job. Tier one. Is, is, in my opinion, the programs that can win a championship with the right coach. Tier two are like the TCUs of the world that have to get really lucky and things fall into place to win it. And that's where I would have Colorado, not tier three, where you got no shot no matter who your coach is. So what would be the next type of job he would get? Does an Alabama come calling? Does a Southern California come calling? Does a Texas come calling? No, I... I I don't see that no matter how much success he has, 
because I think there will be other options, and he is going to be a headache. Colorado is desperate, or he never gets that opportunity. I don't know that any other program is going to be that desperate. So to answer the question, Josh Heupel has a better overall career than Deion Sanders for a couple of different reasons. That was an, that was, I, you're so right. And I was thinking that right before you said it, cause I wanted to say it, that you trust Josh Heupel, the X's and O's guy you trust for Dion. You're hiring him based on who he can hire. And he's going to be a great recruiter. I will say there will be some programs desperate enough. Tennessee was desperate enough to hire Lane Kiffin partially because of his brashness, because I, honestly, I think they were tired of being, they had become kind of a public punching bag for Florida at the time. Dave, with the with the way we're laughing at Florida right now and the way we're laughing at Billy Napier, you don't think just out of sheer anger at that, they're going to want somebody like Deion Sanders who can throw it back in people's faces? Okay, now Florida is a very good, good, good job, Caleb. Florida is a very good fit. Now, yes, okay, if Billy Napier, all right. As a matter of fact, this would not surprise me at all, okay? Um if Shador Sanders, who I think is can go after this year if he wants to, right? Okay. Yeah. That's his son. That's the quarterback. If he goes and Billy Napier continues to bleep the bed, then could Florida call Deion Sanders? And let me tell you something. For those that want to say, oh, he'd never go to Florida because he's Florida State BS. The guy wants to win championship. The guy wants to win more money. I'm sorry, most of the players that you root for feel some allegiance to their universities, but not all. And very few feel a strong, strong allegiance. That's why I've been so privileged to be able to write the Celebrate 98 book. He would go to Florida on a heartbeat. Vince Dooley was an Auburn grad and is the greatest coach in Georgia history. So, yes, you go where the money is. Dion will go to Florida and Dion resents Florida state for not hiring him a few years ago. I don't know if you guys know that Dion's it, it's very much Josh Heupel with Oklahoma and how he feels about what they did. They're practically the same guy. <laughs> Dion and Josh Heupel are both cocky. Dion's just more brash about it, by the way. And the other thing, it's funny. You brought up the Dion former comparison. Another area they're similar. They're uh, even though one was way more talented at the position he played. They were both, gurus at the position they play they know how to coach the position whatever else you want to say about Dion, he he can coach defensive backs and philip former could coach offensive linemen and that's true that was my big knock on Dooley. is what does he coach really well i mean that was my big knock on butch jones too what does he coach wh where did he come up where is he going to have a unit that is as good as any unit in the in the nation where are the best defensive backs going to play? Where was the best offensive line under Fulmer? Where were the best quarterbacks under Cutcliffe? You looked at guys and you thought to yourself, Lincoln Riley is one. He can produce great college quarterbacks. Um, you know, we'll continue to see about the pros. But I never thought that with Butch Jones, who, by the way, crying on the sideline, got all kinds of attention and was absolutely hilarious. A lot of new viewers this morning, so please do me this favor. Hit the like button, but more importantly, subscribe and hit notifications. We greatly appreciate that because just like yesterday, we dropped that Sunday show with Fred, Fred White, former Vol, and we also had the Vol Report with Jacob Warren, the Vol Report with Cooper Mays as well. Coming up, another BFL legend, Spencer Riley, the center of truth will join us next. 
He was a center for Tennessee's 1998 national championship team. It'll give us some insight on the balls. You give me two minutes. I give you more great ball coverage after this with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Booker. Our family has been creating one of a kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we wanna be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Did anybody enjoy um, Butch Jones crying over the weekend? Did you enjoy that? It seemed to go a little bit viral. Yeah, and what he said after was pretty viral too, funny enough. Should we should we show both? <laughs> and I threw his players under the bus, so we, we will get to that. We're going to uh, link up with uh, Spencer Riley here in uh, just one moment. But uh, yeah, uh, Butch Jones, I want to get into this a little bit later. I mean, who... Who do you most want to see do poorly out of uh, out of all of these uh, guys that have led Tennessee into a decade of dysfunction before Josh Heupel arrived? Because there were a lot of them. Uh, I kind of like Derek. I, I'd like to see Derek Dooley have hard times, not real hard times, not like personal hard times, but hard times just on the football field. Because I thought what? he was so pompous. There's character flaws and then there's just annoyances You're to right. a certain degree. And You're like right. the thing is, I don't think Derek Dooley's a bad guy, do you? Uh no, just pompous. You're you're right though. There, there's no question about it that um that Butch Jones was a 
well, he's a sociopath. So, I mean, that's much worse than uh, just being a pompous, arrogant guy. Let's get He's joined. like, he's Urban Meyer without the intelligence. <laughs> Urban Meyer without the intelligence. Okay. So I, I like that. Uh, so I know a lot of people love Fred White, our football Fridays with Fred, but this guy I'm calling the center of truth. Because I'll share this story with you right now. Spencer Riley, let me bring him on right now. He was a center for – you're looking great, Spencer. Will you dropped some weight since the offseason? Trying to, man. Trying to be less fat, I guess. You know, as a big guy, that's what I'm trying to be. That's my line. When everybody <laughs> says, what are, you, what are you doing? I said, I got to go to the gym try to be less fat. That's my yeah. line. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, buddy. <laughs> I know I'm never going to not be fat, but for I'm sure. going to be less fat. Yes, sir. So you're looking tight. Talk about your team over the weekend. Well, man, uh, we had a good weekend uh, at the high school, Jefferson County High School. We uh, got a big win, a uh, region win over Signs Hill this weekend. So it, it was good and took off Friday, Saturday to watch the Falls play and uh, watch them uh, put on a, a great display of football on Saturday. And then we got back to work yesterday. We just got off the practice field here this morning. So, hey, so it's been it's been a busy, busy weekend. Yeah, so look at my guy coming in at his very first debut, and he beat Steve Spurrier's old team. That's pretty <laughs> darn strong right there. Anytime you can beat anybody that has to do anything with Florida, it's a pretty good day. <laughs> okay, so my story with Spencer real quick, and I've told it before with him, so he's heard it before, but a lot of our listeners haven't. First uh, media opportunity I ever had to cover, it wasn't like today where they go, uh, We'll go with Bob, and then we'll go with Travis, and then we'll go with John, and then Fred, you can ask a question. And they just bounce it around, and you ask these one questions. It's totally antiseptic, and it's just not any good, and the press conferences aren't worth going to. First first media event I ever covered, 96, I think it was. And I go in this media room. Spencer comes in. There's about four or five, six reporters. He, he sits down, kicks out a chair, kicks his legs up, no podium, no nothing, said, all right, boys, what are we going to talk about? And that was it, and it was awesome. Well, you know, that's just kind of how I am. Whatever y'all want to talk about, I'm game for the most part. You know what I mean? Sometimes uh, I got in trouble out there uh, on media days because I just spoke, uh, spoke truth, man. I'm a, I'm a truth teller, and sometimes people don't like the truth. Yeah, it was good stuff. Uh, Spencer's appearance brought to you in part by our friends at City Heating and Air Conditioning. 50 years in East Tennessee, integrity matters. Don't trust to fly by night. HVAC company tell you that you need a new unit that could cost you thousands more than you need to spend. So let's talk balls. I think that everybody was really concerned about Cooper Mays, as good as he is. And then let me just ask you. How do you think Tennessee's offensive line, starting with the interior, performed after not only having to replace Cooper with Ollie Lane, but then replace Ollie Lane at left guard with Andre Keurig? What did you think of the way they played? Well, I don't think they really missed a beat, to be honest with you. Um, I know Cooper is a really good player, uh, but I thought Ollie did a really good job at center for him and, and got him going in the right direction. And they were all on the same page. And being a center, it's all about being able to get both sides playing as one group and uh, having everybody on the same page and got to have, got to, got to be a pretty smart guy to play in the days today's game uh, at center. You got to be able to direct traffic and, and fix problems as they come along. And I thought Ollie did a great job of that. 
No, I agree. Did you notice <laughs> uh, Andre Carrig at the left guard position? I saw some pretty good pushes there. Man, I'll, I'll sit here and tell you, when you don't notice your offensive line, they've played a pretty good football game. I didn't notice anything. Didn't notice anything that was bad. Uh, didn't see people running free. Um, and that's and usually that's what happens if if you got a failure to communicate there. Uh, you guys just kind of run. You, you turn you turn a down guy loose. Didn't see any of that. And I thought he did a great job of directing traffic. And you know what I mean. Uh, I think you got some competition there uh, moving forward and, and 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 seeing who the better of the two is to play there. And you got some pieces to move around. And and that's a good that's a good problem to have for Tennessee because they've not had that in the past. Spencer, so uh, Dave may not have told you, but I'm 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 a lot younger than you guys, and uh, <laughs> you, look, you look it, buddy. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> but uh, I, I first started following college football when I was about nine, ten years old, which was when you guys won the national title, and sure. so I was very aware of who you were. But I, I I I did do some research before you came on, and I realized that you actually have a similarity to Ali Lane after what I saw on paper, and that you started at left guard to open the season against Texas tech in 97. Sure. And then you had to move over to center in 98. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So you kind of, what is, what is that like where not only do you have to move over to center, but then you have to move over to center to snap for a new quarterback. Who's not for the sure. Year before. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, uh, we had a, a guy who got drafted in, in the NFL playing center Trey Teague in uh, 97. Uh, he played there, you know, he did a great job. Uh, we come in, we didn't have a center on our, we didn't have a true center. And let's be honest, I had never really truly played offensive line until I got to Tennessee, uh, started two years at guard. And then they said, Hey, you're going to go to center. I said, okay. I said, well, all right, we'll figure this out as we go. Had no idea how to snap a football and just had to, had to kind of learn. And, and the coaches, took, we took pride in that and trying not, my biggest thing was this, we're not going to lay the ball on the ground from center quarterback exchange because Back then, you were under center. You weren't You weren't in the gun, right, like they are every snap now. We were under center every snap. Uh, you know what I mean? The play starts with you. You know what I mean? You got to get the great – you got to have a great snap to have a great – to have the opportunity to execute. And, and I thought Ollie did a great job with that. His snaps were good. Uh, I mean, I thought he was a very – I thought he played a very solid football game. You know what I mean? And and I don't know how good Virginia is going to be in, in the ACC. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it was a good test. We did what we were supposed to do as an offense and a defense special team game on Saturday. And I just thought it was a solid game all the way around. Uh, but I expect some big improvements from week one to week two. You know what I mean? So, it's going to be a, be a fun time there. Um. Now, your first start at center was in 98. I want to make sure yeah. that Okay. Yeah. So your first start was against Syracuse. Yep. Um, which turned out to be, I, I think everybody thought they were good. They turned out to be really, really good. Um, uh, Spencer, but getting that first start under your belt, like Ollie Lane has at center, how much easier does that make it going forward? Knowing that, I mean, he's played 500 and something snaps before, but still knowing that you can do it when it really matters. I mean, you never know if you can do it until you're under live bullets. You know, I mean, practice is practice. But until you get in front of 102,000 people, are you going to be able to have your composure and, and, and tune out the noise, you know what I mean, at the end of the day? And 
for me, it was one of the things everybody goes, well, is, is Neyland Stadium a lounge place to play? I said, I don't know. I never did. I didn't hear it. They just tune it out and you, you go, you go from that. So, so, I mean, for, for me, it was, it wasn't a big deal. You know what I mean? I was actually got out there. I played a bunch of snaps prior to that. And, and it, it was just one of those deals that you learn to do. And you just, just another day at the office. Spencer also said that um, he, he was not going to let the ball uh, go on the ground. And I want to, I want to make note that in 1998, Caleb, how about this? Guess how many fumbled uh, center quarterback exchanges they had the whole entire season. I'm going to guess zero. Zero is correct. Zero. Now, there was one time when Spencer snapped the ball and T didn't take it, so Spencer took off running, which is illegal. <laughs> it's not but going it, on the ground, though. It'll be better than a fumble. That's exactly right. <laughs> it, was, it was That was against Syracuse. That was the most inventive play I thought I'd ever seen. I thought I've never heard of the Spencer not – or the center not snapping it and just taking off with the ball. Yeah. Well, sometimes that just happens, right? You got to do what you're supposed to do. Uh, hey, I'm not going to lay it on the ground. That was the, that's the big no-no back then. That's true. What do you think it means for Ollie Lane waiting this long to get his, his opportunity and being a local guy? I think it's big for him. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, he's worked, he stayed the course, you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's done what he's supposed to. And, and for him to, be able to go out there and perform at a level that let's just be honest. A lot of people didn't ever think he could perform at, you know what I mean? Uh, but he's done a great job. Proud of him. Glad to see a local guy being successful. Uh, he's done a, he's done a hell of a job for him. So no doubt about um, it. So Spencer, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to get a little bit talking on the rest of the line uh, on the outside, um, I saw John Campbell lay some nice blocks. I also saw him make a couple of errors. I felt he on that fourth and one running play, he whiffed pretty bad on a block uh, at thirty yard line. Then he had a penalty. Is are those things you think can be fixed, or is that is that a long term concern? No, I don't think it's long term concern. I mean, it's something you can fix. It's something that we talk about it happened to us on Friday night. You know, what I mean, is versus some really good players, you're just going to miss. You know what I mean? You're going to whiff. I whiffed when I played. Uh, most everybody that's played offensive line has whiffed on some point in time or other. You prefer it not to be on the fourth down. You know what I mean? Um, but you're going to have some mistakes. You know what I mean? And, and that's part of learning and growing as a group and trying to build that cohesiveness, uh, that, uh, being able to play as one group. On the flip side, let's turn to the defense here for just a second, Spencer. Because I'm watching the guys that are coming in, coming in, and it was Tyler Barron and James Pierce who had the most productive days statistically. But it just seemed like that the Tennessee was bringing guys in waves that were fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, how much more challenging is that for an offensive lineman? Well, I mean, it's definitely challenging when you're uh, you're playing against a fresh guy. They snap in and snap out. It's definitely hard, you know, especially when we play with tempo. Uh, Tennessee plays with so much tempo offensively, it's hard to substitute guys, right? Virginia didn't do – I mean, I'm trying to remember. I didn't think Virginia did a lot on offense, so they couldn't play a lot of tempo. When you're not being successful on first down, it's hard to play tempo because you really don't want to go three and out in 30 seconds. 
you really don't want to do that and put your defense back on the field. Uh, so there, I think they were trying to manage the manage the game a little bit more uh, with their tempo stuff. But for us, Tennessee, they just have so many more defensive linemen that can play. Rodney Garner and the defensive line staff has done a hell of a job getting those guys ready to play football. Uh, one, of, they'll be one of the better defensive lines in the country as the year goes along. Wow, strong statement, and you're not the first to say that. Uh, go ahead, Caleb. Spencer, one of my uh, favorite players last year for Tennessee, and I interviewed Cole Kublik in, at SEC Media Days, and he agreed, was uh, Javante Spragans. And it seemed like, once again, he he working with Ali Lane carved up a lot of holes for Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson and Jabari Small in the game on Saturday. I, I agree with you about the defensive line. Does it seem that the interior of both the offensive and the defensive lines are a major strength for Tennessee this year? I mean, I gave Amari Thomas a lot of credit for the edge rushers on Saturday. I, I just I love sure. watching those guys in the middle. And does yeah, it seem I mean, like the interior is a big strength? Yeah, I mean, I think as a group, they, they all have a bit of, you know, they all bring a bunch of stuff together. I don't think it's just one group that's better than the other. But the interior guys are freaking – they're big, they're strong, they're athletic. I mean, both sides of the ball. And just watching those guys compete, man, and get after it. And when you when when you can compete and you be physical, man, being physical is 90% of the battle in the SEC. I mean, the most – more than likely, the more the, the most physical team will win the football game. And that's something that, we pre, that I preach here. And, hey, man, we're going to be tougher than everybody. We're going to be more physical than everybody. And, and we're going to run the football and, and try to demoralize you running the football. No doubt. And that's what and that's what Tennessee's doing, man, offensive line wise. They're just demoralizing defensive lines right now because they're they're snapping it so fast and they're on the ball, ready to go, and you don't have time to sub, man, because if you do, you're gonna get caught with extra twelve men on the field. Spencer, tell me about your son, because there's about to be another SEC or perhaps another school, Big Ten, or we'll see, uh, offensive linemen come out of the Riley household. Uh, not this one. Mm-mm. Not an offensive lineman. Oh, yeah, for my kid, yeah. my offensive lineman. Yeah, my kid. Uh, Sh- uh, sorry, I was like, I ain't got no son. Uh, <laughs> but I do. Um, Nick Moore, he's doing a great job for us, man. I mean, he's he's a freaking player. Being a junior, uh, he's learning. You know what I mean? He's going to be a great freaking player in the offense, defense line, whichever one uh, the the school decides to take him as. But at the end of the day, um. Uh, uh, he's don't he he's he's just a guy who's a physical physical football player. Yeah, and I and I meet your player, and the, what, what I wanted to kind of turn that into is you you know the culture at at Tennessee, and when we talk about what they've been able to do in terms of recruiting. I'm just curious what you think of the culture over there now, since you've seen it from the inside as a prospects coach. <coughs> Yeah, I mean, can y'all still hear me? I hit my ear, so I don't know. Uh, um, I mean, I think they've done a great job with their culture. You know what I mean? The kids love playing for those guys, and that's the way it was when I was there. If your kids love playing for you, they'll do anything in the world for you. And that and that's what's fun to see is they have an investment in the kid. You know what I mean? With the day's NIL stuff and, and, and all that, it's, it's, it's a lot of people think it's about money. But if you build a relationship with a kid – the kid will do more for you as a person than he ever will, I think, for money. I agree. So I think that's where 
I think that's where Tennessee's done a great job with that. The center of truth, Spencer Riley, excited about this uh, each and every Monday. Congratulations on the win over the weekend. And, buddy, have a great rest of the week. Who you got Friday? We got DB in another big region uh, region battle. So it'll be – we're going to be – if we want to know at the end of the week, we'll be in control of our own destiny for sure. Nice. We'll talk to you after the big win. Thank you, Spencer. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. See you next week. Riley's fantastic. He is so good, and we're so excited to have him on. So we're loaded up. Tuesday's John Adams. Wednesday, it'll be Jimmy Hyams. Thursday, it'll be Josh Ward. And then a football Friday with Fred. Get those notifications on. Go ahead and hit subscribe. Go ahead and hit like. We appreciate that as we bring more and more people into the program. One of the all-time great balls will get a very special honor this upcoming week, and it is well-deserved. We'll discuss it next in just about 90 seconds. Hang tight off those sports. Candace, I was, I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Cadis has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. Portions of the program brought to you by Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. You can order online, Hemp House Chat, hemphousechat.com. Please go there, and we'll have a promo code for you before long, and you can save some money. But I will go ahead and tell you right now, the quality is unmatched, and you know what you're getting is safe. There's a lot of stuff out there that uh, you probably need to be a little bit wary of, but not at the Hemp House, Hemp House Chat, HempHouseChat.com. All right, there are a lot of guys over Tennessee's history that you look at and you think, man, they were game changers. Caleb, you know history as well as anybody. Some people change the game. Some people actually change the culture of football. 
And I would put Condridge Holloway on that list. Tell our listeners why. So Condridge Holloway was the, for those who don't know, the first starting black quarterback in the SEC in 1972. He was known as the Artful Dodger. He was a baseball player too. Super, super threat at running the ball with the ball as well as throwing it. He was, he seriously considered Alabama. And I think Bear Bryant, who was still working hard to integrate Alabama, I believe told him at the time he didn't think Alabama would be as accepting of a black quarterback at that time. And so he ended up going to Tennessee. From a purely football perspective, Condridge Holloway's the Josh Dobbs of his time. And the reason I say Josh Dobbs is Condridge Holloway, Tennessee football was in an inevitable downward slide to irrelevancy through no fault of Condridge Holloway's. There were just some major inner working issues going on within the program at the time. Um, I can tell you that, for instance, Tennessee was so outdated with the people running the program. Some of them absolutely opposed putting lights at Neyland Stadium because they didn't believe in night games because they felt it violated tradition. That's how outdated they were in the 70s. Condridge Holloway slowed that slide single-handedly, extended Tennessee's run that began under the Doug Dickey era about another three years. If he's not there, then Tennessee in 1972 probably finishes unranked, and in 1973, Bill Battle's probably fired. Instead, Condridge Holloway extended Battle's career until about 1976, at which point Tennessee was going to go for Johnny Majors. And that's why I say he's like Josh Dobbs, because as we know, Josh Dobbs really delayed a downward slide for Tennessee in the mid-2010s. Um, okay, I see what you're saying there, but I mean, given his time, now let's not get into the height and speed and all that stuff, because that's all gotten better with the physical development over right. time. And the I, think Con- uh, yeah, I think Condridge Holloway is a significantly better player. Than Josh Dobbs. I think if if those two guys, if 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 Condridge Holloway is coming out uh, right now, then he doesn't have to worry about going to the CFL because there are so many racists in the NFL. Um, he is going to go to the NFL and he is going to be a superstar. I think he's Agreed. going to be very very good. So Joshua Dobbs has not gone to the NFL and be a quarterback. So. In their era, in their time, and I want to pull up this jersey right now. If you're not on our YouTube channel, we highly suggest you, if you're on an audio platform, uh, to get on YouTube so you can join us and see some of the videos. First of all, that's a very tight jersey uh, with the gray and the orange on top. That looks really, really sweet. Uh, I like it a lot, and I'm not a guy that likes alternate jerseys, so there's Joe Milton sporting that. Um, curious what you think on the message board with the long, tall socks um, that go above the knee, the orange, just a really, really nice looking jersey. So uh, Condridge Holloway, if he's born nowadays or if he was born 22 years ago, he's a superstar in the NFL. I don't think there's any question about that because nowadays you almost have to be mobile to play in the NFL. So, uh, Caleb, how good would he have been had he been uh, born just a little bit later? And we're going to pull up some Condridge Holloway highlights as well. We can go ahead and play those if you want to address 
uh, how good Condridge Holloway could be nowadays. Look at that young Condridge Holloway on our YouTube channel. That's pretty fantastic. And let's play some highlights now if we can get this thing rolling because for those that haven't seen him play, he was an absolute phenom. He was called uh, the artful Dodger, Condridge Holloway, and was just uh, an incredible player, ability to extend plays. I, you know, they, they, they kind of remind me. He kind of reminds. Tennessee's me. super weapon is super scrambler. Apologies, sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, we're getting. Um, it, it, he kind of reminds me a little bit of a an Archie Manning, um, which may sound weird for those that haven't gone back and watched him play. But Archie Manning was way athletic, way before his time. And the only reason that Condridge Holloway didn't get a better opportunity in the NFL, as we're going to run some of those highlights, the only reason he didn't get a better opportunity in the NFL is, is pretty simple. It's because his skin was black. And that's it. And at the time, uh, uh, African Americans were not considered guys that could handle thinking positions. It was the same in baseball with pitcher, catcher, it's the same in football. You take your best athlete. And I'm not talking about college or NFL guys exclusively. I'm talking about middle school uh, coaches who would say, oh, you're the best athlete, so we're going to put you at running back. We're not even going to give you an opportunity to play quarterback. It was a societal issue. Not the biggest issue we had with race, obviously. Man, look at some of those moves. Not the biggest issue we – we had with race at the time, but it certainly was one that was significant. And I can tell you this. Um, I believe that Condridge is still a little bit better, uh, bitter, excuse me, a little bit bitter over the fact that he didn't get, get a real shot. We've never spoken one-on-one about it, but I've been told by several people he's bitter. And I think there's some bitterness there. And hopefully this, uh, this, alleviate some of that bitterness because heck I'd be bitter too, Caleb, to be real honest with you. If, if I didn't get an opportunity just cause the way I looked. Yeah, I totally agree. And there's a lot of players from that time that we know feels that feel that way. I mean, we know in baseball, Jackie Robinson, many, many people believe his life was cut short because he was bitter about the way he was treated when he played major league baseball. I mean, he took and and, even after Conrad Holloway, I mean, Warren Moon had to go to Canada for a few years. And honestly, until about, I mean, until this new wave of quarterbacks, I'd say like roughly 2010s, you look at Warren Moon's stats and he was a top five quarterback in NFL history. And that's with him missing half of his prime because he was forced to go to Canada. And Conrad Holloway was before that. And Tennessee was a, was a trailblazer in a lot of ways on this because you're right. They had Conrad Holloway at quarterback. Um, they had... I've, I've talked about it before. Jackie Walker was the first openly gay linebacker, and he believed till the day he died that he was blackballed from a chance at the NFL because of his sexual orientation. And he was a two-time All-American and the first black captain in the SEC of any football team. And, Let me tell you what. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that one of the things, and this is one thing I give Danny White credit for, because everybody at Tennessee was like, is always about upholding traditions. And Danny White said, guys, if you know Tennessee history, Tennessee's history, their tradition is breaking tradition. That's what they've done. That's what Tennessee, that's what separates them from the the rest of the SEC is they broke tradition before anybody else did. 
And that doesn't mean you don't uphold tradition, but it does mean that you have to understand when you need to be transcendent and change tradition. And Tennessee's done that better than anybody in the South. Yep. And let me let me tell you what makes Tennessee different. Um, Ryan, you, the portions of the program are brought to you by Herald Group Security Solutions, leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques, also making your children safe one school at a time. We, we hear of school shootings. I want you to be sure and reach out to your school administrators. Mention Herald Group Security Solutions, especially at a private school, We're hoping to get laws changed where they can be at public schools. Here's one of the things that makes Tennessee different. Condridge Holloway had a home at Tennessee. I'm not exactly, I don't mean this insulting. Caleb, I'm not exactly sure what he did, but he always had a job at Tennessee. And that's fine. You had 15,000 associate ADs running around, but they didn't play football for Tennessee. They didn't get called the N-word when they were playing in the SEC. Find a home for Condridge Holloway because he didn't get the opportunity to make millions because of the time period, but he also didn't get the opportunity to make millions because he was in the CFL. So that's something that's different about Tennessee than a lot of other schools. Now, Alabama has these programs and Florida has these programs just like Tennessee, where you can go back and get your degree after you've left school and you can come back. But uh, that's something that's that's special about those upper level schools. Now, is a kid going to take that over NIL money? Probably not. But should he think about it? Yes, he certainly should. So congratulations to Condridge Holloway. The uniforms look tight. Kudos to the balls for and, doing that. And very clear story here, just to point this out. I want to bring this up. Guys, I don't think T. Martin's at Tennessee if Condridge Holloway's not there 25 years before. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Another black quarterback coming out of Alabama, Mobile, Alabama, specifically. Um, it was much better in the 90s and the 70s. We know that. But that doesn't mean that he that there weren't tensions still experienced by many people um, during that time. Um, and so, as a matter of fact, the very last case that was prosecuted against the KKK was, I think, 1983. And it was because of a race-based murder in Mobile, Alabama. T. Martin would have been maybe five years old at that time. That Those things were impactful to even those players. And so, yeah, I I, I think Condre, I think T. Martin talked about wearing a Condra Holloway jersey when he was a kid at one time, seeing his highlights. Yep. So don't quote me on that, but I've heard that. Portions of the program brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use the promo code HAT, that's HAT, to receive some free swag with your cider order that you can order most anywhere in the United States of America. That's right. You can order from the Tennessee Cider Company in just about anywhere in the United States of America. I think there are a couple of states lagging along, but we're getting them on board. Tennessee Cider Company, use the promo code HAT to get a free hat with any order butch jones crying on the sideline consoled by players player puts his arm around him and then this is something that i really wasn't as aware of because i wasn't covering tennessee closely they were one of the many teams that i was covering in recruiting um but he he throws his players under the bus. So what are we what are we playing first here, Caleb? I'll pull it up. You set it up. We're first we're first going to show him crying. It's a 
20 second clip. And when I first saw this, I thought I, a part of me was like, should I feel some sympathy? No, and then should. I'm going to play the post game clip and show you why I don't. So are you guys okay, ready? So you got a player that's putting his arm around him and you can see the score. If you're not three to on, nothing. Yeah. If you're not on our video uh, platform and they end up losing what 73 to nothing, your, your head is covering up one of the pictures. I'm, I'm so, sorry. That's I know that's fine. There's that. nothing you can do about that. But the count was 73-0, right? Yes, it was 73 to nothing. And okay. here is the player. I'm just going to play it real quick. It's 12 seconds. Okay. Now let me hold on. Before you pull that up, let me let me offer this, and you can pull that up. Butch Jones. I was told, and a lot of people shared more information with me when I wasn't covering Tennessee on a day to day basis than when I was covering Tennessee on a day-to-day basis, because I didn't report everything I heard because I was covering recruiting in the mid-Atlantic area. So, I mean, there's a lot to cover. So, um, listen, I had one player, his father, who called me and said, Dave, I want you to know that if my son gets arrested for committing a felony, there was a back story behind it. I'm like, whoa, what does that mean? And this is a very religious family. And uh, Butch Jones used uh, GD, you're a bleep. And by the way, you can say you're playing like a bleep, but you don't say you are a bleep. Like I can say, I mean, in my opinion, Caleb, this is how I've always approached it. If we're having fun, I can say, Caleb, you're acting like an idiot. But I don't, I would never say, Caleb, you're an idiot. Well, it was an idiot, it was a word that starts with P. So GD, P and the player said that if that ever happens again, my son is very religious and I feel as if he will commit a sin and punch him out and repent for it, but he's probably going to go to jail for knocking his coach out. It's like, okay, well, that's good to know. And then you had the whole thing where he supposedly fell on a helmet. He didn't fall on a helmet. Nobody. Yeah. No, Darnell who fell on a helmet. He said shy Tuttle fell on a helmet and that's why he needed stitches in his head. Yeah, he got punched because it was crazy. And punching somebody, by the way, without a helmet on in practice, I'm okay with fighting in practice, but punching somebody without a helmet on in practice is just chump. So do you mean pull this up and his response after the game? And let's just go ahead and hear the butcher throw everybody under the bus. Do you mean pull this up? Yeah, let's pull up the first. Let's pull up the clip of him crying. It's only a 12-second one. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know where to play. Okay, so make him cry. Yes. Number seven. 15-yard penalty, added to the end of the run. Automatic, first down. Now, Butch Jones will have plenty to talk about with his team after this game, and we mentioned their next contest against Memphis. A week. Okay, so that's that's first I know crying, um, but very distressed, I would say. Right, and before we get to the second one, guys, we're testing something out here, so we'll just be honest up front. Dave, you heard the sound on that, right? Yes, I did. Okay, if you heard the sound, everybody else did. Perfect. So here's what Butch Jones said after that. This is what he said when asked about this in the post game. I kid you not. This makes me go. ill, by the way. I think a moment I saw him, I think second half, you know, Justin Parks came and kind of, you know, consoled you. I think you were obviously kind of looking disappointed, discouraged. What did it mean for one of your leaders to kind of lift you up? Well, I, there's a lot of players on our team that care, and that's the first part. When we got here, they didn't ha- we didn't have very many. So now, and unfortunately, he couldn't play today. Um, but again, it still gets back to pride in performance, pride in your preparation with everything you do. And like I said, if you get beat because he's better than you, 
I can live with that. It's the untimely penalties. It's the lack of effort. It's the casualness at times. It's all those things um, that bother me. And so, you know, I expect this team will bounce back. Like I said, it's, it's what do we take from this experience and gain from it like that Central Michigan team did. We can, we can gain something from this and we can become closer. We got to be more accountable to each other in the way we practice. Uh, you know, on game day, the communication. I mean, there's a number of times we start the game and we call two blitzes and our money linebacker doesn't blitz. Then we, we misaligned on the first play of the game and they're on unbalance. And you when you don't even align or do your assignments that you've been practicing over and over and over, there's a little bit of accountability on them as well. But it starts with me. It starts with our coaches. And uh, this team will bounce Wow. He just spent two minutes throwing his players under the bus. Jerry, I put up on the screen, said, man, I don't miss him at all. If you haven't already lost that team at 73-0, which obviously he had in the preseason, you've completely lost them now. You've thrown them under the bus. How he ever got a job like Tennessee is beyond me. We're not only talking about a bad coach in college football, we're talking about a bad coach overall. I mean, we had Spencer Riley on the program. Spencer Riley could take over Arkansas State and have better success right now uh, within two years than Butch Jones because Spencer cares about his players and did not ha- throw his players under the bus after the game. That was absolutely distasteful. Before I get to your thoughts, uh, Rick Terry Jewelry Design, looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the Fire Opals, a Tennessee tradition? RickTerryJewelry.com. RickTerryJewelry.com. What did you think of that very, very distasteful response after the game that he basically said half his team are a bunch of chumps and they don't know what they're doing? Yeah, and he also... it. The first thing that stood out to me actually was what he was how he threw Blake Anderson, the previous Arkansas State coach, under the bus. Because the first thing he said was a lot of our players that on this team care, and that wasn't that way when we first got here. I want to remind people of something. When Blake Anderson was at Arkansas State, he went 51 and 37 in seven years, won two conference titles and three division titles. Butch Jones in three years at Arkansas State has gone two and ten, three and nine, and is now 0 and one. And he has the nerve to blame the previous coaching staff for what he inherited when he inherited a pretty good, just for those who don't know, and Dave, you know this, Arkansas State's not a bad football program for a small level. You you can win there. Gus Malzahn was there. Hugh Freeze was there. They've won. And he sat there and said, there's a lot of players on our team that care that did, and that wasn't the case when I took over. You took over for a coach who won two Sunbelt titles there. What are you talking about? And he's acting like he's rebuilding it. Every once in a while, it's nice to look back. We all had hard times in our lives. It's nice to look back at how pitiful things were, especially when things are going good. You're in a much better place. We are so excited to be in football season. Hit that like and subscribe button. Please share, tell a friend, make them a part of what we do each and every weekday live at 10 a.m., but all over the place on YouTube and any place that you podcast. A lot going on. Spencer Riley, the center of attention, uh, the center of truth. 
will join us each and every Monday. Uh, we will have John Adams tomorrow. Jimmy Himes Wednesday. He's back from the U.S. Open. Big tennis guy. And we'll have Josh Ward on Thursday, followed by Fred White on Friday. So we're stacked for football season. Excited. Can't just can't wait for the season to continue to roll out. Tennessee with a big win over Virginia. That was, uh, I thought, uh, almost an A-plus game. There were a couple of penalties here and a couple of special teams issues. But other than that, you should be very excited about where this team is going. Answered a lot of questions in my mind on Saturday. Virginia is not great, but I thought Joe Milton, the fact in, in the middle of the first half, bounces back from a couple of errant throws. I was pretty darn impressed, and I think he's going to be just fine this season. But I've been saying that for a few weeks. Have a fantastic morning, afternoon, day, evening, whenever you're watching. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off Thug Sports. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.